Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Token Talks. Before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick call out to you, our listener. Token Talks has been running for three months now, and the response has been overwhelming. We're truly amazed by how much interest there is in our interviews with leading crypto technology founders. Playing our small part in documenting the progress of the space is a real honor. And so we want to make sure that we're continually improving to provide as much value to the community as possible. So I have a small request. Send us a tweet to let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you like and what we can improve. The feedback you give us will really help us in shaping the episodes going forward. You can tweet at me at Zachary DeWitt, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-D-E-W-I-T-T, and I'll read every single one and respond. Again, that's at Zachary DeWitt. Let me know what you think. Okay, that's all from me for now. So now on to this week's episode. You're listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. We have a vision of which all tokens, when they're not actively being used, are in compound. When every exchange sweeps their reserves into compound, when every wallet sweeps its balances into compound, and when every user thinks of compound as a de facto source of incremental return, we hope that we can hold a large portion of the cryptocurrency that exists. And it's the same analogy to what happens in the financial system today. Today, we are joined by Robert Leshner, the CEO and founder of Compound. Compound is an Ethereum protocol for algorithmic, efficient money markets. Cryptocurrency has the potential to disrupt the broad supply of money globally, but it's missing one thing that every currency, commodity, and financial instrument has, money markets to exchange the value of use and time. Currently, holding crypto yields effectively 0%. With Compound, you can loan your crypto for as short as a minute to as long as a decade and earn interest for doing so. Our listeners will be excited to hear they can earn a yield in their crypto in a secure way. Compound will be launching this fall. Check them out at their website, compound.finance. Okay, Robert, welcome to Token Talks. Please introduce yourself. Thanks, Zach. Excited to be here. So I'm Robert Leshner. I'm the founder of Compound. We're building a protocol that creates money markets on the Ethereum blockchain. What that means is we allow users to supply an asset and earn a market prevailing interest rate or borrow an asset at a prevailing interest rate from our protocol. We're planning to support five markets when we launch Compound, and this will allow users and distributed applications to systematically earn interest or borrow assets on chain in a trustless, transparent, and predictable way. So maybe you could give us a little bit of your background and why you decided to get into crypto. Yeah, so I started my career as an economist. I was an interest rate analyst at a bank, and then I was an interest rate analyst at a wealth management business. And I've always been fascinated by macroeconomics. Crypto is the first time probably in 100 years that we've had a transformation of this magnitude in how finance works. Um, it presents an entirely new parallel system to existing financial markets. And as an economist, there's no more interesting space to be in. I have been intrigued. I've been watching crypto for a long time. I remember reading the articles on Bloomberg when Bitcoin first reached parity with the US dollar being $1 per Bitcoin. 
and that was relatively momentous for me. I uh, mined a little bit of Bitcoin in 2013, and I've been in the space for a while. And it wasn't until Ethereum came out that I truly believed that crypto had the potential to transform finance completely. Um, the ability to program assets and program information in a trustless and decentralized way was mind-blowing to me. And with the advent of Ethereum, I decided to take crypto incredibly seriously and start to spend a lot more of my time thinking about the possibilities and what we could create. Yeah, it's incredibly exciting to watch this parallel economic system being built right now. So uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about what problem Compound is solving as we think about this new economic environment. So one of the most interesting features of cryptocurrency is that users control their own assets and they custody their own assets. And this leads to, for security purposes, most assets sitting in cold storage, most assets sitting in people's own individual wallets. And for some users that aren't as concerned about security, most assets sitting on exchanges. From some analysis that we've done, almost the entire supply of cryptocurrency sits unused. It sits idle. And a small portion of cryptocurrencies are actively traded. And in traditional economic systems, not only are all assets used, assets are used multiple times over. If you look at the supply of US dollars, for instance, most US dollars are not sitting in a proverbial mattress. Most US dollars are being actively used in the economy multiple times over. Each dollar is actually used three times. And so when we look at crypto, we saw a massive inefficiency that we would have to overcome as a society in order to be as useful as the existing currencies and securities that we have today. In one of your presentations, you said that every currency and security that exists today will eventually exist in cryptographic form. Please elaborate on this and what the implications would be. That's a great question. So we see three major advantages to cryptographic assets over assets in the legacy financial system. The first is security. Cryptographic assets, by the nature of even the cryptography, offer unparalleled security and ownership. The owner of an asset is truly sovereign in what they own. Uh, assets can never be taken from you. Assets are completely secure, assuming that your private keys are secure. This is incredibly powerful. The second is portability. You can move almost an unlimited quantity of cryptographic assets anywhere in the world, basically instantaneously and basically for free. And compare this to traditional assets where they're extremely difficult to move. And lastly, there's programmability, which is we can create entirely new use cases. We can create businesses that can choose what assets to interact with. You don't need permission to program cryptographic assets. Anyone anywhere in the world with any creativity and programming skills can create new businesses and systems and use cases. It's very hard to program US dollars today. It's very hard to ask a bank for permission to move their money around or even the user's money around. And so these three advantages of cryptographic assets are so powerful. And we believe that over time, all assets from government currencies to securities such as stocks and bonds to real assets such as real estate and property will become tokenized because when they're more secure, more portable and programmable, they're more useful than the format in which they exist in the existing financial system that we have. And so we believe that over time, all of these will be tokenized. We're starting to see the first kernels of this with stable coins, where rather than having a central bank or a central government tokenizing currencies, we see the demand to tokenize very boring assets. 
we think this trend is going to accelerate. We're starting to see interest from central banks. We're starting to see interest from large custodians of assets. And we're starting to see the first trickle of assets from the existing financial system into crypto. And I think over time, there's going to be a larger quantity of assets that are real than ones which are crypto native. And I think this trend is going to continue to the point where eventually there's going to be $100 trillion of tokenized real assets, which will probably dwarf crypto native currencies. I agree. It's it's certainly exciting to watch. So, Robert, what is a crypto money market and who will use a crypto money market? So a crypto money market is the same in a lot of ways as a money market in the existing financial system. It's a place where excess currency goes to have a yield. It's short term, it's fully liquid, and it's without credit risk. It's the shortest term instrument that exists in a financial system. This money gets used by people who want to borrow money for their own purposes, who have a use for it. And it's a two-sided marketplace in a short-term and liquid sense. It's what happens to excess money. So if I had 10 ETH in my wallet and it's just sitting there earning zero yield, I could interact with the compound money market protocol and basically start earning a market-based interest on my ETH if I lock it up and it'll be secure? That's exactly right. So in compound, we allow users to supply cryptocurrency to any of our supported markets. One of the markets that we're going to be supporting when we launch is Ether. We're also planning to support a market for a stablecoin and for three different large utility tokens. If you have any of these assets, you're able to supply them to Compound by making an on-chain transaction on the Ethereum blockchain that transfers the asset into the Compound protocol. When you do this, you are agreeing to earn a prevailing interest rate, which is set based on supply and demand for Ether or the asset that you've supplied, and which fluctuates over time. You can keep your asset, such as Ether in the Compound Protocol, for as long or as short as you'd like. It could be one hour, one week, one year, one century. And your interest compounds continually. You can withdraw your principal plus interest at any time, and you have full control over when and how you sweep assets into Compound. So Robert, why wouldn't everyone do this with their ERC-20 tokens? I read somewhere that 64% of Bitcoins have never moved wallets. And if that's true for other protocols, you know, why, why would you just have your assets sit in, in, a, in a cold storage wallet as opposed to on a compound protocol and earning interest? That's a great question. So I think the closest analogy is the existing financial system that we have. If you look at where assets go today and what people do with their money, most money doesn't sit in money markets. It's invested as capital into businesses. Most people hold a majority of their wealth in equity and debt. And all of the residual cash of individuals, of businesses, and of governments goes to the money markets. It's generally a small fraction of all of the money in the economic system. It's not the majority of it. And I think long term, crypto is going to rebuild a lot of the existing financial instruments that we have today, where money markets will be a portion of what people do with their crypto. It'll be a safe harbor when they want a market-bearing yield but they don't want to commit capital for the long term. They don't want to take risks on an entity or a project. They just want a short-term and predictable yield. There's always going to be more favorable investment opportunities than a money market. And we think that we're going to exist alongside other systems to generate returns in crypto. So walk me through how I'd use Compound. I start by going to compound.finance, and then what? So... There's a few ways you can interact with Compound. So Compound is a protocol on the Ethereum blockchain. If you're technologically savvy, you could run an Ethereum node that interacts with our 
protocol and smart contracts directly. You can build a distributed application on the Ethereum blockchain that interacts with the Compound protocol directly. Or you can go to compound.finance and we're going to be creating a web application interface that you can access with MetaMask or any Web3-enabled browser such as Brave or Cypher to interact with Compound directly. And we're going to be creating a web interface. But any developer anywhere in the world can build an interface to Compound because we're on the Ethereum blockchain as an open source transparent protocol. Anyone can build a new interface. And we expect that some developers are going to build their own wallets and their own systems for other users to interact with. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you talked about, about some of the decentralized applications being able to interact with Compound directly. Certainly in the crypto world, you can have machine-to-machine transactions, and I think this is going to open up a new set of protocols uh, and a new set of design. So I'd love for you to elaborate a bit on that. So what would be an example where a decentralized application could interact with Compound? So there's two ways that an application can interact with Compound. One is to sweep a balance of a token into Compound to earn a yield. And the other is to borrow a token from Compound for some other purpose. And I'll elaborate on both of those use cases. So there's a lot of applications that we're seeing interest in from developers that have token balances. The first is decentralized exchanges that are custodial. There's a number of contracts like Ether Delta that store billions of dollars of tokens that are sitting there idle, whereas the developer can actually monetize those billions of dollars of balances. We're seeing the same type of interest from insurance products where they're going to be holding premiums and large customer balances. And Compound's an extra source of monetization where whatever balance they sit on, whether it's an Ether or a token, they can sweep it into Compound and programmatically withdraw it when it needs to be paid out to a user. On the borrowing side, there's a couple of reasons why a distributed application would be interested in interfacing with Compound. The first is to be able to call other smart contracts. A dApp, instead of needing to have a supply of tokens, could literally call Compound, borrow the token that they need to use, and then repay Compound later. It gives new flexibility and powers to distributed applications. And secondly, we think that there's people who are going to be building more complicated financial instruments that would require borrowing from Compound, either to create bonds, interest rate swaps, or the ability to short sell assets programmatically. And so we're seeing a lot of interest from developers on both use cases and both sides of the market. What percent of your crypto holdings would you recommend to a normal user to put on a compound protocol and earn interest? 5%, 50%, 100%? So in the short term, a small percent. And in the long term, a large percent. And I'll explain why. So every protocol on the Ethereum blockchain or anything that's created using smart contracts should be considered unsafe until it's been live in the wild for an extended period of time. Even though we're the creators of Compound, we advise all users to practice extreme quantities of security for their own assets. And until Compound has been operating for an extended period of time, we wouldn't encourage anyone to put the majority of their assets into Compound, just like we wouldn't encourage any user anywhere to put their majority of their assets into any untested protocol on the blockchain. I personally think that it's a great source of incremental return for assets which are otherwise sitting idle, which you have no plans to trade or to use or to move around in any way. The portion of your assets that you consider cash that's unused, just like the amount of your assets that you would consider cash in the existing financial system, should be 
sent to Compound when we go live. How would a default work in Compound? If I borrow ETH and I don't return that ETH, how does that work and how does Compound deal with some of those edge cases? So Compound is designed to eliminate the risk of default completely. We require all users to maintain collateral in Compound, which I should note continues to accrue interest just like any of our markets, while they have a borrowed position. When a user borrows from Compound, they're able to take the tokens and send them anywhere, to an exchange, to another one of their wallets, to another application, to use them for their intended purpose. You might borrow Golem to run their global supercomputing resources. When you borrow from Compound, the tokens don't stay in Compound. They go to the destination of your choice. And the only thing that we require is that you have a greater value of collateral stored in the Compound protocol. And this is what enables you to take the borrowed tokens out of Compound. How much leverage could you get with Compound? I've certainly heard BitMEX advertise a 100 to 1 leverage ratio. What type of leverage will users be able to get from Compound? So we're going to be starting very conservatively, and only over time are we going to relax those constraints. When we launch, we're going to be able to offer modest amounts of leverage, an incremental 50% uh, leverage, so to speak. And over time, as we build up a larger ecosystem around Compound, and we begin to scale the protocol and the size of our markets, we might consider slightly relaxing those constraints. But Compound is not designed to be an extremely speculative source of leverage. It's designed to provide incremental liquidity for users. If you're going to be borrowing an asset from Compound, we're not expecting you to be taking massive amounts of risk. We expect users to borrow from Compound in order to put on modest portfolio management decisions and to be able to use the end protocols for the tokens that we let you borrow. A great example of this is we might allow you to borrow Ether or Stablecoin, which some users are interested in borrowing, to be able to purchase more assets. And in that case, it's a small incremental amount of leverage. We expect some users will be borrowing utility tokens in order to be able to short sell them, because the first step in a short sale is being able to borrow the token. And we expect some users to borrow tokens to use them in the protocol. In none of those cases, we want users to have too much risk and too much exposure to the underlying volatility of those cryptocurrency assets. How does Compound make money? So Compound charges a very small commission on the interest that moves through our system. Right now, we're targeting one-tenth of the interest that is generated by Compound to be reserved for the protocol owners and developers. When Ethereum moves to proof of stake, I can earn a yield from staking my ETH and participating as a node, or I could lend it to Compound. How do you think about the trade-offs between the two options? That's a great question. So proof of stake as it's currently being envisioned is a system in which you have to lock Ether for an extended period of time and you have to run a node and validate transactions on the network in return for a yield. And there's really two things there. There's risk that you mess up or you're incorrect in validating a transaction. You have your stake cut or slashed. And the second risk is the duration risk where you're committing your either for an extended period of time. Those are the two risks that Compound seeks to eliminate, which is duration and credit risk. With Compound, you're able to supply Ether for a short amount of time or a long amount of time. It's up to you as a user. And it's designed to have no credit risk in that you don't have to worry about the quantity of your capital ever going down. So requiring collateral in Compound is certainly a way to deal with credit risk. Are there other ways to assess the creditworthiness of the participants on your platform? 
Over time, we plan to include credit modules and different upgrades to the protocol to allow users to borrow without over-collateralizing their borrowing. But when we launch the protocol, we're going to be approaching this where we don't actually extend any credit to individual addresses or users. Everything is going to be over-collateralized, and that's how we approach the elimination of credit risk. How does Compound interact with other protocols, Ethereum, Dharma? Compound is built on the Ethereum blockchain as a series of smart contracts. So it's incredibly integrated with Ethereum. It benefits from the scalability upgrades that Ethereum has planned, and it's accessible to all users of the Ethereum blockchain. It doesn't yet interact with any other protocols built on top of Ethereum, such as Dharma, ZeroX, etc. Although there's a lot of developers that we're speaking to that are actually planning to tie the Compound protocol with other protocols. We've spoken to developers that are building interfaces between Compound and ZeroX, such that you'll be able to, in one smooth action, be able to borrow from Compound to trade with ZeroX, or to trade with ZeroX and supply the asset to Compound. And so we think that over time, because it's open source, because it's transparent, we're going to be trying to foster a developer ecosystem around Compound for people to interact and tie together Compound and all of the other amazing protocols that are being built on top of Ethereum. Over the next few months, Compound is certainly filling a desperate need for the crypto community to be able to lend and borrow on using a safe protocol and secure protocol. But fast forward five, 10 years, what is the big vision for Compound? So the big vision for Compound is that all token balances that aren't actively being used in a longer-term investment are swept into the Compound protocol. We have a vision in which all tokens, when they're not actively being used, are in Compound. When every exchange sweeps their reserves into Compound, when every wallet sweeps its balances into Compound, and when every user thinks of Compound as a de facto source of incremental return, we hope that we can hold a large portion of the cryptocurrency that exists. And it's the same analogy to what happens in the financial system today. Most cash gets swept into the money market. It doesn't actually sit in your bank account. You have a balance and the bank is sweeping it into other use cases. We think that Compound is going to become a de facto use for crypto assets. You have assembled a world-class group of investors. Tell our listeners a little bit more about your fundraising to date. Yeah, so Compound differentiated itself from a lot of the projects in the space in which we acknowledged very early that we didn't want to artificially create a token or implement a token in our protocol. And so we believe that tokens are generally a friction to using a system. It's hard enough to get users to adopt your system, let alone when you ask them to jump through an additional hoop of needing a new special purpose token. And so we decided very early on that we weren't going to be pursuing a token-based fundraising structure. And instead, we opted to go down the path of raising equity from venture capital firms. We're extremely fortunate to have attracted a phenomenal group of investors. To date, we've raised capital from Andreessen Horowitz, Polychain Capital, Bain Capital Ventures, Coinbase, and a number of other venture capital firms. And we did so in a way that aligned the interests of our investors and the company and the ecosystem for the long term. We don't have any uh, short-term risks in that we have to fulfill token holders' expectations of a return. Our investors and our team are focused on really the next 10 years of Compound and building infrastructure that survives forever. And so we're extremely happy to have long-term focused investors that aren't looking for immediate liquidity, that are looking for us to build a permanent protocol on the blockchain. 
it's really refreshing to hear about the alignment between investors, builders, developers, and your community members. That's great to hear it. Very commendable. So tell us a little bit more about your community. How are you going to go about building it? Who are you focusing on? So right now we're focusing on the largest end users of the compound protocol. We're having conversations with most of the crypto hedge funds that exist in the space. We're speaking to a lot of OTC lending desks. We're speaking to some of the largest crypto traders and investors because those are our users. And for Compound, our community is less about you know building up an extremely active Telegram group than it is building awareness and interaction with the largest crypto traders and investors. You know, our community for us is actually less public and more behind the scenes where, you know, our team is available and accessible to the largest crypto traders. And a lot of the community is, you know, direct relationships between Compound and users. I encourage everyone who's interested in the Compound protocol to reach out to our team. You can find contact information on our website and we love talking directly to, you know, crypto users. That was my next question. How can listeners follow the progress of Compound? The easiest way to get involved with Compound is to start by going to compound.finance and reading our white paper, joining our Discord, and following the project. We're trying to maintain an active blog, and we're always accessible to members of the community. My email is robert at compound.finance. Anyone in our company is happy to chat about Compound and what we're building, and we're always excited to get the feedback of our early users. So I would encourage everybody to, at a minimum, check out what we're doing and find a way to get involved. So you mentioned hedge funds interacting with Compound, which makes a ton of sense. And seeing how many traditional hedge funds like Soros are starting to trade in the crypto community and also how many crypto funds are popping up, what types of security audits or verifications or custody concerns do those hedge funds have and have to go through in order to start using Compound? Security is the number one priority for any team that's building on a blockchain. I can't stress enough how important security is. And it's the North Star for everything we do. I think our standards are probably the highest, probably more than any of our customers expect. We expect complete and unrelenting security. We're going to be kicking off the first of a series of security audits prior to going live. And when we launch the protocol, we're going to be releasing the results of a series of security audits. There's nothing more important in this space than security. And I would encourage anyone to be extremely cautious before using any production-grade system. Robert, tell me a little bit about the borrowing and lending landscape in crypto. Who's out there today? What are the alternatives? And how how does Compound stack up? So right now, there's a few different approaches to borrowing and lending. There's a lot of unmet demand as well. So the primary sources right now are actually on exchanges. A number of exchanges offer margin trading in some capacity, where users are lending their excess crypto, and other users are borrowing it for the purpose of margin trading. Popular examples of this include Bitfinex or Poloniex. And we think that right now this is the majority of the borrowing and lending volume. There's a number of OTC lending desks that have sprouted up, some of which uh, we think are doing phenomenal things. And right now the space is one in which it's centralized, which has its own risks. I was a user of Bitfinex when it was hacked a long time ago. It really quickly wakes you up to the fact that the incremental returns from lending crypto on an exchange are not necessarily worth the risk that you face storing crypto on exchanges. Or they're OTC and they're call-around markets, which are high friction and low frequency. We're designing Compound to really solve both of those, which is it's going to be open source and auditable, which should increase trust and confidence in the system. And it's going to be 
highly accessible and low friction to use. And we believe that Compound for borrowing and lending is really going to be the ideal partner for any crypto trader. Let's talk a little about the crypto ecosystem. So what are some early stage projects that you're personally most excited about? There's a lot. There's almost too many to name. Personally, I'm really excited by DYDX. I'm personally excited by Dfinity. I'm personally excited by Tezos. And I think there's a hundred other projects. Um, if you're working on anything interesting, you know, I'd love to hear what you're working on. But you know, at this point, I'm tracking about 20 projects that I love. That's great. Both Definity and DYDX are upcoming podcast guests. That's great to hear. Robert, so fast forward to 2025. What is different about the debt markets than today? I think the biggest change between debt markets in 2025 and debt markets today is that there's going to be lower frictions. Right now, if you look at the way debt is issued, traded, and custodied in the existing financial system, it's a very slow process. Issuers don't even know who holds their debt. It's a very opaque market, and it's extremely illiquid. You can go to Bloomberg, and there's always an article about the illiquidity and opacity of debt markets, especially for corporate debt. I think that over time, blockchains will start to make inroads here because they offer solutions for the opacity and the illiquidity of existing debt markets. When they're issued on chain, which I think some people are going to be starting to work on, they are both completely transparent and lower friction. And I, I think that's exactly what debt markets need. And I think Compound is one of the first of many steps in the right direction. I think we're going to see a lot more solutions over time, including Dharma, including a number of other projects that are looking to make debt more transparent, more liquid, safer, and more open of a system. What are some predictions you have for the evolution of crypto? So the biggest thesis that we have at Compound is that all assets will become tokenized. I think if you look to 2025, we have $100 trillion of cryptographic assets, and only a very small portion, possibly less than exists today, are crypto-native currencies. I think we're going to be stunned by how large the crypto financial ecosystem becomes. What mix of crypto assets do you own personally? Great question. I don't spend too much time thinking about my own crypto portfolio, but I know that I hold a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ether, a little bit of Monero, and a few promising utility projects. And I'm not really sure which ones. So the crypto market is $290 billion today. What do you expect us to end the year at in terms of total valuation? This is going to be an extremely unpopular opinion, but I actually believe that right now cryptocurrencies as an asset class are overvalued. I believe we may end the year lower than we're at today as we record this session. My prediction would be somewhere around the $200 billion mark. Another question I wanted to ask you, so how does it work when I'm borrowing from Compound? How do I set the duration? Can I borrow indefinitely? The duration is not specified ahead of time when you borrow from Compound. We allow you to borrow for as long as you would like or as short of a period of time as you would like. It could be one minute, one hour, one month, or one decade. And the interest rate is also flexible. In Compound, the interest rate adjusts over time as supply and demand for each asset adjusts over time. So the interest rate that you're borrowing at may go up or down in any given month or day or hour. And so borrowing from Compound is very simple. You don't have to predict what interest rate you would like to borrow at. You don't have to find a counterparty with the opposite perspective or opposite view. You simply can borrow from Compound, either directly as a user 
or through a distributed application or programmatically. You can borrow instantaneously. There's no counterparties to negotiate. Borrowing is as simple as pressing a button. So as an student of the economy, Robert, we've moved away from wealth managers, right? We've moved away towards more passive management, wealth front, betterment, a lot of services like that instead of paying an advisor a certain set of fees. I can imagine fast forward 10 years and everything's tokenized. I could buy a, sh- a fractional ownership in art in a convenience store across the street and my building I live in, you're going to be inundated with new tokens and new investment opportunities. What do you think will happen to our wealth management system, our investment landscape? Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts around that. Well, I think as the amount of choice expands, the value of having professionals actually expands with it. And that specialization of skill, which is being able to select investments, actually becomes more important when there's more investments available to people. I think it also creates a role for extremely passive investing, where there's going to be even more opportunity to have passive investments that span asset classes. You know, If you can buy every token all at once, you'll have exposure to every asset class. But I think there's always going to be a role for professionals, whether they're humans or whether they're software algorithms, to make investment decisions. And as the number of assets increases, that focus actually becomes more valuable. So Compound is building on top of Ethereum. You're making at least an initial bet on Ethereum. You mentioned Definity as well, Tezos, EOS, Silica, Algorand. There's a lot of other smart contract platforms coming into the market and launching, moving from testnet to mainnet. What, what do you think about that and how that will affect Ethereum and how Ethereum will respond? Well, right now, Ethereum is really the front of the pack, and it's the most useful blockchain platform there is. I think there's a lot of other contenders to the crown that have their own takes on solutions for what is perceived as the issues of Ethereum being scalability. And I think that there's going to be a really interesting fight that unfolds over the next three years, seeing where developers go. Because there's only two things in my mind that are going to determine the winner. One is where are assets issued? The blockchain that makes it easiest to issue new assets is going to attract the users and it's going to attract the developers. And so far, that's been Ethereum without any question. The ERC-20 token standard really unlocked the floodgate for the issuance of assets on Ethereum. And second is going to be developer adoption. Wherever the developers go is going to be, again, major to the success of a blockchain. And I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made upon Solidity, and a lot of the new smart contract platforms are taking different approaches. I think the industry converging towards Wasm as a language um, to write smart contracts is actually really interesting. And I think that this is going to be a very turbulent process where there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in you know, what becomes the primary blockchain. It's going to be really exciting to watch. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, crypto assets are awesome, according to Robert, because they are programmable, offer control, and are liquid. Two, every currency and security that exists today will eventually exist in cryptographic form. And three, Compound is an easy-to-use and secure money market. Instead of requiring borrowers and suppliers to negotiate terms directly, the Compound protocol algorithmically optimizes interest rates based on supply and demand. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes 
and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc. Thank you.